welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Don't know how to spell it, I got you. S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. Today, wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month, although I'm releasing this in the afternoon, so... You should already be up, but it is the 1st of November, and we have had a week of the NBA in the books, which means it's time for the week that was, which in this case is really just my first round ball ramble power rankings of the year. So we're going to start with that. Um, if you already listened to my James Harden trade reaction show with Stephen Bagel, that's already out as well, so make sure to stay tuned for that. And then close with some injury news um, and some general news before we send you on with the lineups of the day in terms of the games to watch. So that is what's about to go down. Rock with me. Here we go. So starting at number 30, we have to talk about the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets are 0-3, good for dead last in the Western Conference. Um, they are 29th in offensive rating, 26th in defensive rating, dead last in that rating. So, you know, that pretty much means a horrible team, right? Uh, they just, I mean... Haven't been good. That's not a whole lot really more to add about that. I expected them to be a little bit better because, you know, you did have guys like Fred Van Vliet, and I thought that him being a capable shot maker and also an actual point guard for the first time for the Rockets in, what, three years would help unlock the games of Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr., help them out. Um, You also, Dylan Brooks isn't a horrible offensive player, although he has been, I guess, last year. So maybe he kind of is. But, like, you had an infusion of offensive talent, I thought, in the addition of some veteran guys who would either, you know, perform capably for themselves or help the young talent that they have to, you know, raise their level of play. As of right now, it just hasn't happened. A lot of that's just because they haven't been able to hit three-pointers. They're hitting just 29% of the threes they've taken. They're taking a healthy margin, about 33 a game. So it's about middle of the road um, in the NBA in terms of threes taken. And to make 29%, not super great. Um, Jalen Green is not, I mean, the numbers look fine. You know, 17 points, four, five rebounds. Um, That looks okay, but he's only averaging 1.7 assists per game. Um, that would be a uh, career low for him. He's also shooting just 40% from the field and 25% from three. And he's leading the team in shot attempts, um, not from three. He is sec- um, third on the team in that, or fourth, rather, on the team in threes taken. But in terms of overall shots taken, Jalen Green is leading the Houston Rockets. So it's not for lack of trying. He's just not able to make much go down. Um, Jabari Smith's also been pretty bad. I was really looking at him as a breakout player. He was on my um, most improved player prediction. And right now, um, no. 11.7 rebounds, two assists, not horrible. But again, just 37% from the field. Again, not for lack of trying. 12 shots a game, making about four of them. And he's taking six threes. And this was most troubling to me because coming into the NBA, he was looked at as a three-point shooter, right? Like, this is the thing. Sniper from deep, 6'10", great range. And then if you can work on, you know, some off-the-bounce um, game in addition to that, then we got ourselves a real player. Well, he's shooting 22% from three right now. And yes, it's early. You know, we're looking at three games. So far, so it's not not like it's the end of the world, but like he's taking a health chunk of them. Six times three is eighteen. If he's making one a game, then that's three of eighteen. That's not great. That's 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 not great for a, a good shooter. Like if it was a Dylan Brooks, who by the way is making a fifty three percent clip on his threes, that'd be one thing. But it's not. So I don't know. Um, Alperen Sengun's been solid. Um, he leads the Rockets in scoring. Is averaging nineteen point three points per game. He's also grabbing nine rebounds and. 
passing out 6.7 assists per night. So he is really doing it all. Um, not shooting the three ball well, but aside from that, good efficiency or at least decent efficiency from shooting. Um, obviously, he would be, you know, leading the team um, both in re- both in rebounds and in assists. Well, actually, he'd be second in assists because Fred Van Vliet is there. And Fred Van Vliet's been okay. At least from three, 34% from three, 15.7 assists per game, but he's shooting just 37% from the field. And, you know, that's kind of a thing with Van Vliet in terms of like, it's not that he can't make shots or get to shots, but it is harder on an offense that doesn't have the talent of the Toronto Raptors of years past. So I thought there would be some regression there. Didn't expect it to be just this, but that's where the Rockets are right now. They said dead last for me um, in the current round ball ramble power rankings. Number 29 goes to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, Portland Trailblazers are 1-3. and three. That's good for 12th in Western Conference. They are 26th in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating, and then 26th in net rating. Again, not super great. Um, if you want to look at your standout guys, um, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, the vet in the room, the adult in the room, 19 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists per game, and 27 minutes coming off the bench. He's a guy I really look at to be a, a prime trade candidate I don't think he'll be a buyout guy um, come, you know, midseason. But he's been solid for the Blazers. And shooting at a pretty good clip. 44% from the field, 41% from three. Shaden Sharp, 18 points per game, uh, five rebounds as well. 34% from three on six threes a night. Also not bad. Um, but unfortunately, losing Anthony Simons for four to six weeks following that right thumb injury and then surgery is pretty bad. And honestly, the biggest thing for me, and this is something I talked about on the Chase Thomas podcast that I was a guest on this week, is that... DeAndre Ayton, I thought was going to be a s- just so much more of an offensive priority, an offensive presence, a more prominent part of this offense for the Blazers than he's actually been. He's averaging 8.8 points per game, taking seven shots a game. Uh, he is giving you 14 rebounds, just shy of 15, an assist per game, a steal a game, a block a game. Like He's making an impact in other ways, but eight points per game? This is a guy who averages 16 points per game for his career, who's shown that he can finish around the rim, who's shown that he's a mid-range jumper, who's teased the three, you know, off and on in years past going back to college at U of A. So for him to not be able to, you know, really get more of a lead role offensively for this team is concerning. He's ninth in usage rate. That's 12.3%. That's just not great. And I get it. Um, you know, big men are more dependent on the guards to get them the ball. And outside of Malcolm Brogdon, it's not really working out too well. Shane Sharp. He's not remarkable as a passer. Um, just on the raw assists per game is 2.5. And then Scoot Henderson is going through it, y'all. Like, eight points, four assists, 30 minutes. He's definitely getting the run. But he's shooting 33% from the field. And this isn't a typo. 4% from three. Not 40. Not 400. <laughs> four. It's not going to do it. Um, and, you know, effective field goal percentage for him is 34%. Yikes, that's frigid. You know, that's right next to Tumani Kamara, who is contributing in other ways. And definitely, I see signs of a really, you know, good role player from him. But, like, no, he's just not a shooter. Um, By the way, Kamara's shooting 27% from the field and from three. Matching. Gotta love the synergy there, the symmetry. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I going back to Aiton, I get it to a certain extent. But you have to get more shots up there. Like, you have to. Be, to be 12th in usage rate is concerned to be six in shots taken per game again title of tumani Kamara is not great you're looking up at malcolm brogdon shaden sharp jeremy grant simons who's been out and then scoot like i get it scoot has the ball a lot more but scoot you see his shooting numbers like scoot should not be shooting more than him. i don't know what that is about the blazers process i'm definitely going to be looking at them um as the team i'll be watching for team of the week um well they're 
they're one of the candidates. I'll release that at the end of this show here. The team that I will be watching for team of the week. But like they're not too hot. Like that's not great. Um, so Portland. I mean, again, a team I thought was going to be a little bit better than they have been. Um, and they're not. <laughs> Next, the Washington Wizards. <sighs> so I am on the Sports Ethos Wizards show with my friend Carthen. Make sure to check that out. We'll be doing a show here real soon. And let me tell you, the Wizards basketball has not been pretty. Like, I mean, they beat the Grizzlies, but the Grizzlies can't beat anybody. The Grizzlies are, you'll be talking about them next, actually. The Grizzlies are just pretty rough. Um, but the Wizards have not been super great themselves. Like, this back half has been rough. Now, their numbers aren't too bad, at least offensively. They're 18th in offensive rating at 107.8. But this is where things get bad. Defensively, they couldn't stop me. And I'm sitting down recording right now. They're 29th of 30 defensive rating and 28th in net rating. It's not great. Um, the One and two, as I already mentioned. And listen, I will say this. Like, Jordan Poole, he's getting up shots. He is getting up shots. We said that he would. And it would be feast or famine. Well, guess what, y'all? I'm hungry. I'm straight up starving right now because it's been a famine out here. He's averaging 18 points per game, three rebounds, and three assists. Like, yes, I guess not horrible numbers. Um, 18, 3, and 3, you'd like to see the assist up a little bit more. But his usage is leading the team at 33.1. You tell me you can only get three assists on 33.1% usage? You got the ball half the time almost. And why is that? Because he's jacking up shots. He's taking... And he's actually not taking the most on the team. But he's taking 21 shots a game. Making eight. Good for a 38% clip. Jacking up nine threes a game. Making about two of them. Good for a 21% clip. That's far from outcry from 50-40-90. Basically, 50-40-90, he's 30-20-78. Like, not super great there. And it's not been helpful. It's stalled the Wizards' offense. It's made them more middle of the pack. Now, the reason I say this because Kyle Kuzma's been a standout. For them, at least solid. He's averaging 27 points per game. Um, he is doing that on a 48% clip from the field. Not shooting the three ball well at all. 25%. He's taking eight, making two. So, again, yikes. Um, but at least, you know, he's converting more of his shots um, from almost all angles better than Jordan Poole is. And that's been helpful. And he's also doing it on a pretty good, respectable 55.9% true shooting. So, like... That's not bad. But aside from that, I mean, those are your two main guys. And, yes, there was already some question marks about that. But, like, there's some real question marks about that, right? Um, Tyus Jones has been solid, steady, 18 points and 8 assists per game. You know, 43% from the field. Corey Kispert's been good as well. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going off of um, the plus the the per 36. Let me, let me get the raw numbers here. My fault. Cops is 22 points per game. Uh, the other numbers I said were right. Um, and then Tyus Jones, 13.7 points per game, 6.7 assists. Thank you. Because I was like, wait a second. Tyus Jones all of a sudden is averaging 18 and 8. I watched a couple of these games. I didn't see that. But no, 13 and, and, seven, and 7 assists isn't unremarkable. Um, and 43% on three is not bad either. And then Corey Kiff has been solid as well. 42% from three, 14 points per game. But I, I think the biggest thing for them has just been the lack of a big man. I mean, Daniel Gafford has been playing, but... Um, I would say probably between foul trouble and just unavailability for at least a game, they've had to go with different lineups. They don't really have bigs. The Danilo Gallinari's played a nominal five, right? Like, that's not him. Mike Muscala. No, not not necessarily, right? Kyle Kuzma's played the five for a moment. Like, that's just not great. So, 
there's issues there, but defensively, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Um, and they're on the road now for six of the next seven. And this upcoming week, that includes stops in both Philadelphia and Miami. Um, listen, I'm not high on the optics of that for the Wizards. Just doesn't seem like a winning proposition to me. And I'm somebody who definitely likes to take risks. But um, I don't think I'm taking a risk with these Wizards here. Next up on the list is the Memphis Grizzlies. And listen, it's been an ugly start to the season. They're 0-4. And, um, and their starting five has not been great. Their starting five for the record, Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Xavier Tillman. It's not been horrible. It's a, what? minus 1.7 net rating but it's not great and a lot of that honestly in my opinion goes for two things one they don't have a lot of help in terms of size steven adams santiel dama brandon clark all out adams and clark out for the season if i remember correctly so not super great there although the grizzlies are expected to sign bismarck biombo um after the fifth game which will help them a little bit um bismarck biombo is a solid pro good big man around the rim in terms of rebounds and and more of a defensive presence not a whole lot offensively but you know there you go but like that's been the biggest thing but also you don't have john morant there to make your offense more dynamic um i mean out on your starting five like it's really Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. Marcus Smart's a serviceable offensive player, and he is, you know, capable of having some big nights, but not on a consistent basis. Not like that. Um, Xavier Tillman, not really. Zaire Williams, I'm sorry. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., kind of dependent to make his offense, and he still battles foul trouble, so that impacts his availability on the floor. But he's a guy. And then Desmond Bain, who definitely made a big step last season in terms of stepping up in terms of production for the Grizzlies, but maybe is overtaxed right now in this current moment. Um, Desmond Bain is leading the team with 25 points per game, uh, along with four rebounds and four assists, and his numbers don't look super bad. He's taking 19 shots a game, 48% from the field, 35% from three. Like, that's not bad, but I think that is just a lot to put on his shoulders right now. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. for the record, 18 points, 7 assists, 2.8 assists. I mean, excuse me, 18 points, 7 rebounds, <laughs> which is actually good for him. If I had said 2 rebounds for Jaron Jackson Jr., would you have doubted it? No, probably not. Um, maybe a little bit. And then 2.8 assists for him. And then Marcus Smart, 17 points, 2.8 rebounds, 5.8 assists. And Marcus is also shooting decent. 53% from the field, 39% from three. And the problem is I think it just goes down to those three for your offense. And that's just not going to cut it. Zaire Williams shooting 41% from the field and 31% from three. Xavier Tillman, 39% from the field, 26% from three. And after that, you're getting guys who aren't averaging a ton of minutes. And if they are, they're not giving you high usage. John Conchar uh, taking two shots a game. David Roddy taking six shots a game, 48% from the field. Derek Rose, you know, playing 17 minutes a game, 32% from the field. He's shooting better from three. Like, that, that's not doing it. That's not getting it done. So even when John Morant comes, it's still going to be uphill slog. And I think, honestly, this might be the year. Maybe it's a little early, but I'm sticking a fork in. I think the Grizzlies are already on the outside looking in. The West is tough. You can't give this much ground. I think the last team to start 0-4 and, and make the playoffs of the Lakers last season. Um, Listen, I don't see the Grizzlies being the Lakers. I don't. Lakers made wholesale changes at the trade deadline to improve their roster substantially to make the postseason. The Grizzlies, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, and John Morant missing this time. Like, yes, it's a blow. Like you could talk about John Morant and I'm not going to come in with these hit pieces and whatever on him, but no, his, his actions have definitely negatively impacted the Grizzlies because his presence not being on the floor for as long as it will be 
he got like 24 more games or 21 more games left. Like the time that he is still off the floor, the Grizzlies will struggle. I'm sure they're going to get wins. They're not going to go winless the entire time. Like I'm not insane, but it's not going to be great. And not having a guy like John Moran who could put pressure on the defense, get to the basket, make easier shots for Desmond Bain, for Jaron Jackson, for Marcus Smart, for other guys like Tillman and, and Williams and Roddy. Like that would be big right now. You know, letting Derrick Rose play more spot minutes would be helpful right now. Like, I just think that it's a big blow. I think we all thought that, but we're seeing it in real time play out. But with that being said, the Grizzlies aren't horrible. Um, They're going to be playing a game in Utah and two games in Portland. I think it's safe to say they'll get a win there. At least one of those games. They might even go 3-0. I don't think it's horrible to think that. All right. Next up, Charlotte Hornets. Hornets. Oh, did I go? Yeah, Hornets are... 19th in offensive rating, 18th in defensive rating, 21st in net rating. Steve Clifford is doing it again, somehow getting a middling team out of this. But let's be real. Like, jokes aside, the Hornets have not been horrible. Um, for one, I'm not eating crow just yet. It's still very early. But with the addition of, with, with the situation that is currently being, I don't even know my words right now. The situation that's currently ongoing, there you go. The ongoing situation of um, Scoot Henderson not playing very well, which point guard, you know, NBA, a lot of minutes, going to have a struggle. But Brandon Miller also not playing horrible. Like, Brandon Miller's actually been really solid. 17 points per game, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, um, 47% from the field, 43% from 3. Knocking down a 3 at a high clip, um, making some nice plays in, in terms of defense and being impact energy-wise. And, yes, he's still not creating for himself. That's not a thing we've seen consistently. Like, most of his shots are assisted. But he's knocking them down, playing serviceably, um, and getting minutes, playing 31 minutes a game. For this Hornets team. Like, listen, I still would have wanted the Hornets to take Scoot. And yeah, maybe Scoot would have struggled. And we'd all be like, is that the right decision? I'm not sure. I'm not here to jump to the coulda, woulda, shouldas uh, anymore, at least. But like I will say, Brandon Miller has been a, a very nice young player to see for the Hornets. Which is great because they went through a bit. They already declined the fourth-year option on James Booknight. Um They've also um, had to waive Kai Jones. So that 2021 draft was just a disaster. So it was nice to see a young player that the Hornets have drafted, actually giving some production here early. So I will say that. Um, Terry Rozier, I think, is in a role that is better for him. Um, 22 points, three rounds, and five assists. He's not the primary ball handler all the time, although he is getting a, a good portion of that, mostly because, let's face it, the Hornets don't have a real good backup point guard at all. Um, and his three-point shooting has struggled. He's taking six a game, 20%. But you can look for that to rise a little bit. Gordon Hayward's healthy. That's a good thing. 14 points, 5.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists. P.J. Washington's been pretty solid, not from three, just shooting 21% from there, but 17.6 rebounds, and he went on a big um, mini, like, fourth quarter run on on his own um, in a game earlier this week for the Hornets. That was really cool to see. And then LaMelo's been, yeah, LaMelo's been not great. 14.6 rebounds, nine assists. That looks good. Um, but he's shooting 25% from the field, 25% from three. And ladies and gentlemen, um, people all over, it's not for lack of trying. He's taking 14 shots a game, making just around three of them. Taking eight threes a game, making two. Like, not super great from there. And so, that's concerned. But the biggest guy for me, the MVP, and probably the biggest guy, literally, um, Mark Williams. I've loved the way the guys play. Just doing his job. 11 points per game. You know, eight rebounds. Assist a game. He's getting in. He's finishing plays at, in his last... Um, in his last game, I think it was against the Brooklyn Nets, he had like a span of like four straight dunks at one point of just pick and roll action and, and cleaning up. Like he is doing a really good job being a, a just a man down there. Um, and it's really cool to see there. Um, their bench, not a whole lot there. JT Thor, he's playing. 
<laughs> um, Tay Maladon's had some moments, and Nick Richards and Nick Smith Jr. Also, also gotten into a game. So that's it for them. But, you know, Charlotte, again, not not super bad. Um, it's just about keeping Mark Williams on the court more than 25 minutes a game because defense has made the Hornets so much better. So we'll see. Um, yeah, but going back to Brandon Miller, I'm not eating crow just yet, but the dude is 17.3 points per game, 61.3% true shooting. That is, that's, that's mad decent, y'all. <laughs> that's mad decent, and that's an understatement for sure. I understand that. All right, next up, going to the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz have been interesting. I didn't necessarily expect this, but they are 14th in offensive rating, which is not bad. They are dead last in defensive rating. I don't know why I didn't see that coming. I thought that they would be a little bit better there. Um, And they've been a weird team. They went and beat the Clippers. Um, Granted, you know, I don't think the Clippers should have lost that game, but they went and beat them. And then they, in between those, they got killed by the Kings and the Suns. Um... But their defense, that's not great. I will say one thing. Uh, bright spot, Larry Markin has looked great. Looking like an all-star this season. Again, 25 points per game, 9.8 rebounds. Shooting it efficiently, 46% from the field, 43% from three. Um, just being a beast down there. Um, and and 92% from the free throw line. Like, just saying. Um, John Collins seems energized. He's been good. Um, 13 points and 10 boards a game. Um, still not shooting a three ball while well, 28% from three. So maybe that three ball is just gone for good. But like he definitely seems to have rediscovered some juice in Utah. And that is good to see. Um, I think one issue is that the point guard situation for the Jazz that's been talked about leading up into the season still has not figured itself out. Um, Jordan Clarkson is not the answer to the point, no matter what his five assists per game might tell you. Um, it's just not his thing. His shooting's kind of suffered 34% from the field, 29% from three. Colin Sexton hasn't done it. I'm listening. He was trying for the point guard spot. 12 points, 1.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Like, he's going out there for one thing and one thing only, and that's try to score the ball. Um, Keontae George also has not really stood out per se. He's been better, I would say, playing the point guard position in Colin Sexton. 7.8 points per game, three rebounds, and three assists. But he's a rookie, and has gone through his struggles as well. 39% from the field, 33% from three. And after that, like, Chris Dunn is really more of your pit bull, like, defender point guard. Like, he has some playmaking, but that's not really his thing. And that's it. So I think you really need to figure out how to, um, you know, sort that position out. I don't even know what that looks like. I know Jordan Clarks is not the answer there. Taylor and Tucker's been okay. 9.5 assists per game. Um, and he's actually shooting a three ball okay, 40% from three. Maybe he could be that guy. But I just don't know if the answer to the point guard position for the Jazz currently lies on their roster. And that is sort of an issue. And then defensively, like, none of these guys are super great outside of maybe, you know, Walker Kessler, of course. John Collins, I think, is serviceable. Larry Markinen's there. Um, after that, I mean, you name out names here. Taylor Horton Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Keontae George I like, Kelly Olenek, Chris Dunn, Ochag Baji. Like, hmm? Anyone? No, so I don't know. I, they definitely have to stick up their defense for sure because that's just not working out. Um, it's going to get better, but it's just made it tough to figure out what kind of team this is. Personnel-wise, the Jazz do not have the worst defense in the NBA. I think we already covered one of the teams I think would have that. So, like, yes, right now they currently have the worst defense, but just, you know, uh, roster construction-wise, I don't think that they do. But it does make it hard to see, like, where the Jazz actually fall in this power rankings, which is why they're in the middle of the pack in the 20s for me. All right. 
Detroit basketball. The Detroit Pistons are next up for me. And I will say this. Kate Cunningham has looked great. He's averaging 21 points per game, 7 assists, shooting 40% from 3. Um, I've loved the, the passing. At least it goes on the eye test for me. They're 2-2, two and two, so they're up right up in there. They're 12th in offensive rating. They're 10th in defensive rating, and they're 12th in net rating. Uh, they lost the game to the Heat by one, a game they really could have won. They won their next two against Chicago and Charlotte, and then they lost to a Thunder team that is really pretty good. So, like, you can't even judge them that bad on that. Like, they're a really good, solid team that I could see finishing uh, among the playing teams. Um, aside from Kate Cunningham, who, like I said, like 40% from three, just really good all-around basketball. Um, Jalen Duran's been great for them. There's been a n- number of great pieces written about him. Um, I would highly recommend checking on Basketball Intelligence, but he's averaging 15 points per game and 13 rebounds. Another guy that, listen, he's good. I, I really wish the Hornets had Jalen as good as Mark Williams is playing, but that's just because Jalen's younger. But, like, he's been impactful as well, shooting 68% from the field on 10 shots a game. He's getting a healthy portion. He's finishing a lot of those. Amasore um, Thompson's not been horrible. 8 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. His shooting numbers have been horrible. 32% from the field, 14% from 3. But, like, I'm not going to knock him. I am going to knock him on that because he's a bad shooter. But, like, we knew this when he came, right? Like, we knew he was going to be a bad shooter. And it is early. Again, it's hard to give some of these abysmal shooting numbers when you realize that we're only playing four games for most of these teams, right? Like, it is what it is. The numbers are what they are. But it is something like, okay, 14%, but that'll average out a little better, a little worse. I don't think a sore will get out of the 20s from three this season. But he should hike a little bit into the mid-40s, I'd say, overall field goal percentage. At least that's my initial thoughts on that. Um, Next up is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they're one and two. Um, and Cam Thomas, I mean, listen, Cam Thomas knows he's on the court for one thing, or at least he thinks he knows he's on the court for one thing, and that's to score the basketball. Is it to pass the rock? No. Is it to play defense? Probably not. Um, at least that's what it would be if you asked Cam Thomas. But if it's to shoot the basketball, then yes, he does that, and he does that with the best of them, um, just an instant bucket. He's shooting 70% from two-point range and taking 77% of his shots inside the arc. And, like, listen, that is really, really good. Makes up for the fact he's only shooting 30% from three. But 33 points per game, four rebounds, and two assists. Look at those numbers again. 33 points, four rebounds, and two assists. He's there to do one thing, and he's doing it really well. Um, But you would like to see him do more. Um, Speaking of the Nets in general, I'd like to see them do more. Both of the Nets' losses so far have come in games where they've held the lead in the last two minutes, and they just couldn't hang on. And a lot of that's on the defensive end. Why? Well, a lot of this is on Cam Thomas, but the Nets are second in offensive rating. But they are 28th in defensive rating and 14th in net rating. A lot of that, Nick Claxton's been out with an injured ankle. That's not been great. Um, and Mikel Bridges is about second on the team in scoring. And maybe he's assumed more of a scoring role. And you know how it comes with high usage players offensively who were defenders. You look at guys like Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kawhi. Most all of them kept some defensive presence still. But they weren't the defenders that they were before they assumed the higher offensive usage, right? Um, Mikael Bridges maybe a, a lesser extent of that, but like he's not been super great. Dorian Finney-Smith's been okay. Ben Simmons eight points, um, ten rebounds, eight assists. Like he's being more of himself, and that's good to see. But you do want Nick Claxton back, and also if you look at it, the Nets don't have a whole lot of size. Cam Johnson only played one game. Um, Damon Sharp has been in there in five points, four rebounds. He's been fine, but he's only getting eight minutes a game, and and that's really it. You know, a, a lot of these guys are, are guards. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith, you know, Cam. And then aside from that, your forwards, Dorian, Mikel, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal. Like, that's not a big team. 
even with that, you know, got to give credit to Jacques Vaughn. Like, they have been scrapping. They're not an amazingly electric offense, and yet Cam Thomas is an amazingly electric offensive player, and they have been in the mix. Like, they've been up in there and 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 making competitive games. And so we'll kind of see what they look like. They play Miami here tonight, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, Next up is the San Antonio Spurs, who are 2-2. Two and two. Spurs had a really good victory against the Suns, come from behind in a game that I thought was over. I'd kind of fallen asleep, woke back up, and boom, they won. Um, so cool to see for them. Good feel-good win for a young team like them. And they will be playing the Suns again tomorrow. So there we are. Um, the Spurs are 24th in offensive rating, 24th in defensive rating, and 27th in net rating. In other words, they're not a great team. But they've done a good enough job on just scrapping out wins. When they lost, like, yeah, it's not been great. But when they've won, it's been scrappy games. And a lot of that goes on Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. Like, they've really stepped up on defense. Um, and that's been good. Um, but also, offensively, both of them have been taking on a bigger role. Like, Devin Vassell, 20 points per game. Keldon Johnson, 17. And I love that Keldon Johnson also improved his assists per game. He's averaging uh, four assists a night as well, in addition to 5.3 rebounds. Both of them are shooting the ball decently. Uh, 50% from the field, 33% for Devin Vassell. 44% from the field, 37% from three for Keldon Johnson. Uh, but, of course, I'm bearing the lead. The guy that everyone is talking about is Victor Wimanyama, who, like, listen, his offense runs hot and cold, uh, except in the fourth quarter where it runs hot. He's averaging 16 points per game, uh, 7.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists. Now, he is, and, and also, he's impacted the game with 1.5 steals a game and 2.3 blocks. He is still battling, obviously, being a rookie in the NBA, 4.8 turnovers a night. Um, and his shooting numbers don't look super great. I mean, for someone 7'4", um, he's shooting 46% from the field and 26% from three. But he's been so impactful, and he's had such great moments for the Spurs, whether it's going up against Kevin Durant or, you know, impacting the game in, a, in, a, in an overtime win against the Rockets and making a clutch jump over Dylan Brooks and, talk, and pointing to him as he goes down the court. Like, he comes with that swagger. He comes with his own personality, and he's play like he's going to improve. As he gets more comfortable in the NBA, as he understands his full assortment of skills and how he can maximize them to its fullest effect he is going to be a complete and utter beast he's already so impactful as it stands right now um nothing the spurs should do i think is improve in terms of their point guard play because trey jones should be starting um he's the only like legit point guard they have and he's actually looked pretty solid this season in doing so nine points per game five assists like not standing out super great but when he's on the floor there is a markedly better spurs team out there and i get it jeremy sohan starts at the point nominally because you want to have your best five players out there listen give him the keith bogan special where he starts the first couple of minutes of you know the game and then comes out whatever the case may be um but you need to have a point guard out there because you know between sohan women yama collins johnson and Marcel, there's some good players there there's not a point guard there Kellen johnson assumed more of that and that is great um sohan obviously has some innate passing ability and that is also really good but there needs to be more that's just my thoughts next up chicago bulls two and two fifth in the eastern conference they are 25th in offensive rating, 17th in defensive rating, 22nd in net rating. Um, listen, they don't look that great. Like, they they may be 500, but this is a team that needs a players-only meeting after the very first game. Like, nah, you can't convince me that they're in a good space after doing that. Like, literally. It's like, all right, y'all, long season, let's get to work. They go out there, they get smacked in the mouth. All right, team meeting. That's something you do in, like, I don't know, January, February. Not October 26th. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Um... And their defense is solid, but it does have a bottom 10 net rating, right? 
Like, they have a bottom 10 in their rating. Their defense is middle of the pack. Their offense is not inspired. Um, It's not great. 25th overall. You had a game where Zach Levine averaged, uh, he dropped 51 points and didn't get a single dime. Like, no assist. He was just out there to score. Uh, for the record, Zach Levine's averaging 24 points per game, 4 rebounds, and 1.3 assists. Speaking of that, your leading assist guy, by the way, is Kobe White with 4. Like, the ball is not moving. Like, his shit is sticking a lot. DeMar DeRozan, 23 points per game, 3 rebounds and 3 assists. I don't want to say it so soon but it does feel like he's slipping a little bit at age 34 um again it's super early but he just doesn't have that same burst and getting to his spots getting to his shots that's just what i've seen nikola vucevic has been okay i guess 14 points 10 rebounds two assists 45 percent from the field um and then zach levine of course is jacking up shots 40 percent from the field 29 percent from three taking the team leading 20 shot attempts per night and a team leading 8.5 threes and a lot of that is because the bulls in general aren't taking a lot of threes like, they're taking a lot of threes. Let me say that. They're taking a, a decent amount of threes. But, like, there's not one player taking a ton of threes. Zach Levine is taking 8.5. Your next highest um, three-point attempt player is Kobe White with five. It's not great. And I get it. Because if you look up and down the roster, like, the numbers aren't super great from three. Um, I already mentioned DeRozan shooting 25% from three. Vucevic shooting 20% from three. Kobe White shooting 25% from three. You have 27% from Javon Carter. You have 18% from Patrick Williams, who 18% for a Williams who is averaging five points per game, along with three rounds and one assist in 21 minutes. Like, I'm sorry. I'm losing faith in Patrick Williams. I got to talk to... My guys on Switch Theory, see how they feel about Patrick Williams, but I, I just don't see it. I mean, it's not for lack of effort or energy, but it's just not coming together. Um, so that's just something I think the Bulls nearly need to like pick up on. It just doesn't look great. Um, all they've done is spark rumors that they will finally start to tear down this roster at the deadline, but nobody knows if the front office will do that because they've had ample opportunities to do so up to this point, and they haven't, right? So you would hope so because this Bulls team is going nowhere fast. I can tell you that right now. But... It remains to be seen. Um, also, the Bulls play Dallas and Denver this week. Uh, so, yeah, Dallas tonight, Denver later this week. Not excited about the Bulls' prospects for that one. Next up, Toronto Raptors. They are dead last in offensive rating, but they're second in defensive rating. 19th in net rating overall. They've been all defense, no offense. Like, under Coach Darko Rajakovic, it is great in terms of generating turnovers, um, but they're, like, great relative to this season. Like, the last couple of years, they led the league in forcing turnovers. This year, they're 15th, um, and a large chunk of their offense this past year, the past couple of years were buckets off of those turnovers, you know, which in transition, you know, finishing at the basket with the Pascal Siakam, OJ Anobi, Fred Van Vliet. This year... It's not a lot of that happening. Part of that is because the Raptors are also turn o- turning the ball over themselves and not giving themselves a chance to really kickstart their offense. But then the half court is not super inspiring. And of course it wouldn't be. You got rid of one of your better point guards in that in Fred Van Vliet. Took a downgrade, although he's performing serviceably in Dennis Schroeder. And that's just not great. Um, Scotty Barnes coming into his own. A little bit of everything. Mr. Do-It-All. 20 points per game. 9.5 rebounds. 5.5 assists. A steal a game. 2.5 blocks. Like a little bit of everything. Um, and that's nice. Pascal Siakam, 16 points, seven rebounds, just under four assists per game. Not shooting the ball well from three, 28% on five attempts per night, but he's getting it there. Um, OJ Anobi, 13, four and no assist. This is kind of why I told, when I talked to Steven, um, 
for my James Harden reaction trade with the 76ers potentially looking for an upgrade, you know, along the wing with OG and Anobi or um, Zach Levine. I don't like either of those fits for different reasons. Zach is all going to score the ball, but maybe not really the most, um, I don't know, distribution minded. That's probably the best way of saying that. And OG and Anobi, like even less than that, like definitely a play finisher, but not someone who's going to really, you know, kind of keep the ball going, like grease the skids, if you will. Um, Dennis Schroeder. Again, I knocked him for not being Van, being Van Vliet, but his numbers are similar. 14.3 points per game, 8.8 .8 assists. He's shooting 50% from three on five threes a night. Uh, only 38% from the field, so not super great there. But he's been pretty solid. But offensively, yeah, it's been an issue. And defensively, we just have to see how much this continues for them. Um, especially when they play the Bucks Wednesday, and then they head out on the road for four games. Or they play the Bucks tonight, rather. I forget that today is Wednesday, the first of the month. Anyways, that's... that's, that's uh, where I have the Raptors. Interesting team. We're kind of getting more into the middle of the pack here of these squads. So I'm going to go a little bit more rapid fire. Cleveland, this is for you. <laughs> the Cavs are 20th in offensive rating, 25th defensive rating, 25th net rating. Not super great there. Um, they've just been a team, in my mind, that's more or less been kind of a stop-start. They desperately need Darius Garland. Um, he strained his hamstring, hamstring after the opener, which has been the only Cavs win. And they really need his shooting. And really, his floor general skills. The Cavs, like I mentioned, are in the 20s in offensive rating. Um, Jared Allen's also been out for the Cavs. That's been an issue in terms of, you know, defensively, his impact around the rim. Um, a lot of Cleveland was hoping that Evan Mobley would step up offensively. Um, and that hasn't really been a thing. I mean, to be fair, um, they played Indiana last week and or over the weekend rather and that was without um donovan mitchell garland or allen and he did go off for 33 points and 14 rebounds but all things considered he's not taking the step up that people expect him to take um he's 46 percent from the field barely taking any threes the numbers 15 points 11 assists look good but a lot of that's coming off of that 33 point game so that's just been a thing that you want to see more of max is been fitting the bill more or less 35 percent from three um on 10 threes a night you want those numbers to bump up a little bit being that he's taking you know 15 shots a game and and, and 10 threes and making three but you know 35 percent is not bad he is the wing in terms of spacing that the Cavs are looking for um Donovan Mitchell when he's played you know like I said he didn't miss the game with um that ankle injury but aside from that 32 points uh five rebounds and four assists is solid as well you just need more um that's really it. Like, that's kind of been their issue. The Darius Garland being there gives the Cavs a legit point guard. Um, and aside from that, to putting a lot more pressure on uh, Donovan Mitchell to a much lesser extent of Karis LeVert um, to kind of create offense for you. Um, on the other hand, I've seen Imani Bates play, so free Imani Bates. Um, there you go with that. Um, next up, Miami. Um, Miami, you know, they're just kind of going through things. Jimmy Butler bringing himself on it on his own pace. You know, he thinks that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, Bam Adebayo seems to get it. He even said as a quote, we've been dealing with a lot of stuff at the beginning of the season. You go through those type of things. Like, I, I think that the Miami, he kind of know where their bread is buttered. Now, mind you, I think they're a worse team than they were last year. And so some of that is the Miami Heat taking themselves to their own pace and not being as bad as they've played per se. Not that they played horrible, but just not being as bad as they have. In other cases, I feel like they just are a worse team. But they're 22nd in offensive rating, 23rd in defensive rating, 23rd in net rating. Um, and aside from that, I mean, you're looking at Tyler Hero. He's definitely been coming out like a man who did not like to be in trade rumors. 
25 points per game, 5 rebounds, 4 assists for him. Bam out of bio, 22 points per game along with 6 rebounds. You want to see more rebounds there for sure. Um, but aside from that, like, you're getting, you know, Jimmy Butler. You're getting, like, early season Jimmy Butler. 15%, 15 points per game, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, shooting 32% from the field, um, which is not great. So maybe you're not getting regular season Jimmy Butler. You're getting, like, worse version. And then Kyle Lowry at the point guard spot. Like, what are we doing, y'all? <laughs> like, he started all four games, and he said he was going to be a starter. And I, I, here's my thing. You don't announce yourself as a starter and then come out with six points and four assists per game. Like, he is definitely in that, you know, take a few threes, you know, pass the ball. Like, 40-year-old John Stockton, like, 40-year-old Steve Nash, maybe? Steve Nash, I felt, was, like, more dynamic back then. But, like, the game manager guy who's going to just take threes and make a few passes, you know? Um, six points and four assists is maybe a little lower than I would expect, but he's definitely in that realm. He's take, And he's not even taking a whole lot of shots. Five shots a game, three threes a game. Numbers don't look bad. 45% from the field, 42% from three. But he's just been a negative off- offensively. I-, I don't think he should be starting. Don't know if you get more juice from off the bench, but I don't think he should be starting. Duncan Robinson, 39% from three on seven attempts per game. Not bad. Um, and then Josh Richardson, he's just been kind of out with nagging things. So, like, you want to see him play um, and give more there. But that's the thing. Next up, Orlando Magic. Um... Magic looks pretty good. They beat up on Houston. They beat up on Portland to start the season. And then they played better teams and they lost to both of those teams. Granted, back-to-back. You know, maybe it was spaced out. We'll see what happened. They definitely gave the Lakers a fight all game long in their matchup. And then they pushed the Clippers in the first half before Paul George went bananas with Russell Westbrook in the second. So, like, you know, there's something there. But their starting five has been great. Markel Fultz, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter Jr. have a plus 13 net rating. And off the bench, Cole Anthony's averaging 15 points a night for them, and he has been playing well in addition. So, like, that's been good. Um, now, you know, the Magic will be home for four straight, but it will be against the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Bucks. So, um, those will be three of the four teams that will be playing. So, we'll see how they are. But their defense has definitely stepped up, um, as you could tell from that. Uh, rating, which I didn't tell you yet. So they're 16th in offensive rating and they're fourth in defensive rating, 10th in net rating. Like Jamal Mosley's really got these guys to get down and defend their butts off, and it's worked out really, really well. They're a tough team. I think they're right there with Detroit with a team I can see um, competing for a play-in game, and they are right up there. Like you definitely love to see it. That's for sure. Uh, Paulo Bancaro definitely stepping up a little bit more. He was not having. The best shooting, I'm not Paulo Bancaro. Paulo Bancaro is stepping a little bit more. You want to see him step up more because he's not been having the best shooting night, for best shooting season. 37% from the field, 22% from three. Uh, 53% from the free throw line. Not great. But Franz Wagner has been playing very well. 18-6-3. The shooting splits aren't great. Uh, Outside of free throw shooting where he's 94%. He's shooting 37% from the field, 33% from three. And again, a lot of these numbers, man, like it's so early in the season, but these numbers are just rough, you know, um, I've liked Jalen Suggs, uh, his numbers don't really pop out so much, 11 points and 5 rebounds and just under 2 assists, but like, I feel he's been playing with good energy and good defensive tenacity, Markel Fultz, same thing, um, neither of them are giving you much shooting, especially from distance, but like, the backcourt's been solid, speaking of shooting from distance, Gary Harris has been giving you that, he's shooting an electric 56% from 3 on a decent 4 attempts per night, so that's not bad, um, It's just been decent for them. I definitely kind of liked what I've seen from this Magic team. They're not a great team. We understand that. They're still a young team. We also understand that. But they're becoming the team that you really don't want to run into. They're that annoying team um, like the Oklahoma City Thunder were um, a couple years ago. Like, now they're they're actually a Thunder, like, 
like good, right? But like before that, they were kind of good, but you didn't want to play them on like a second half of back to back or, you know, just a random Tuesday night because they were going to give you the business and make it hard. You might get a win, but you would definitely have to expend some energy in doing so. Next up, New York Knicks. Knicks are tw- 17th in offensive rating and 7th in defensive rating. They are a tough squad through four, um, through four games so far, they their third-ranked defense has really been keeping them going because offensively has not been super great. Yeah, they're, def- they're middle-of-the-pack offensively, but like Julius Randle, one of their main guys, is averaging 15 points a game on 29.5% shooting and a f- troubling shooting, true shooting percent as well, 41.7. That's not great at all. Um, 32% from three. Jalen Brunson has been better. Um, 19 points, 4 assists, 38% from the field, 46% from 3, 7 attempts per night. And R.J. Barrett's averaging 21. R.J. Barrett giving you prime Andrew Wiggins numbers, y'all. 21 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists per game. But at least he's shooting the ball well. 45% from the field, 42% from 3. Um, and Emmanuel quickly off the, like, quickly off the, um, quickly off the bench, excuse me. 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. He's also been shooting solidly. But offensively, they've just not been great. They're also the worst shooting team in the league inside of 5 feet of the rim making just over half their shots there. Like, that's not good. But they, they just need to find offense in the paint. There's so many games they've had so far where they start shooting around the rim, realize that's not going to be a thing, then start shooting from three and are actually marginally more effective from outside, despite not having like a team full of snipers, per se. But that's just because of how bad they are shooting around the basket, which I don't get, per se. It's not like they have guys with, like, zero craft around the basket or zero size, but... It's just not working out for them. Um, their defense has been great, but they're going to have a tough schedule this week. They play the Cavs, they play the Bucks, and they play the Clippers. And the Clippers game might be the um, season debut for one James Harden. So just not really excited about what that looks like. Next up, Minnesota Timberwolves. They're 1-2, and two, 23rd in offensive rating, 8th in defensive rating, 16th in net rating. Listen, Minnesota, if they had not had a bad game against Atlanta where they really choked a double-digit lead to lose by double digits, I might have them a little bit higher. Um, but the problem is they're just weird. They, they shouldn't be struggling as much as they have offensively with a team that has Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Like, I, I just don't see it. And if you look at the numbers for both those guys, it's not super bad. Um, I mean, it kind of is for Towns, actually. But Edwards, 25 points per game, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 44% from the field, 60% from 3. Not bad. Where does it get worse? Going to Carl Anthony Towns. 15 points and 10 boards. Not bad on his head. 37% for the field. 23% from 3. That's not good. Mike Conley, 10 points and 3 assists. He's definitely seeming like he's fading. 42% from the field. 31% from 3. Not good. Kyle Anderson hasn't made a three. Just seven points and four assists per game, which is not bad, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, it, it's not really good offensively. Um, lineups of Towns, Edwards, and Rudy Gobert have a minus 9.6 net rating through three games. That's kind of a big lineup for them. You kind of need to play the guy you traded half of your team for two summers ago. Conthane Towns, you know, one of your 10-pole guys. And then Anthony Edwards, your definite 10-pole guy. Like, you kind of need those guys on the floor. If they're playing together and they're not playing well, eh, not good. If you add in Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, which has been their, their, their starting five, it's a minus 26.7 net rating. Now, mind you, Jaden McDaniels' return should help. You know, um, his defense should be helpful when he gets in. He's only played one game, and the defense didn't look great when he did get there. But it should be helpful. And so maybe the Wolves just need more time to regain their footing and just solidify themselves. But guess what? You know, they have the Nuggets and the Celtics on the schedule. It may not be this week that they do that. 
That's all I got to say. This might not be the week that that happens for them. All right. Next up, the Atlanta Hawks, the team that ended up beating the Timberwolves. Uh, they're 2-2. Two and two. They started off pretty ugly. Um, ugly game against the Hornets. You could say ugly game against the Wolves. But they've had um, some solid wins as well um, against the Bucks and against the Timberwolves. Those are some quality teams. It's hard to get a read on Atlanta. I'm not even going to pretend that it isn't. Like, I have no idea kind of what to make of them right now. Right now, just off the ratings, they are 7th in offensive rating at 118.4. They're 22nd defensive rating, and they are um, ninth in net rating. Like, even that's weird. I, I just don't know like where they are. What I can say is Jalen Johnson has definitely stepped up capably, more than capably, in the shoes of John Collins. 14.5 points and 7 rebounds a night, shooting 40% from 3. Um, and he gave the Knicks a dunk and a half during their game against New York. Like he's definitely stepped up in that way for sure. Love the fact that a dude just 22 is, is just producing so quickly. Right. Um, DeJounte Murray had a big, big game in the comeback win against Minnesota, which has made his numbers look actually a little bit better. 21 points per game, four rebounds, five assists, 50% from the field, 25% from three, but he's looking solid. Trey young, the numbers look fine. Double-double, 21 points, 10 assists. The shooting numbers are what's rough. 31% from the field, 24% from three. And because it's Trey Young, yes, it's not for lack of trying. It does not look great. Um, Onyeke Kongu has not taken the step, I thought, of somebody who people really want to just anoint as the successor for Clint Capella. Nope, I think Clint Capella is still a better starter right now. Um, Sadiq Bey is out there. <laughs> um, you know, low-usage offensive player, but he's there averaging double digits. Um, and then you can say the same with DeAndre Hunter who's actually stepped up in a major way. 16.8 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, shooting 57% from the field and 45% from three. Not a whole lot of attempts going up there, but the guy is making what he's taking. Next up, I have Indiana. Indiana is the second best offense in the NBA. They have an offensive rating of 119.6. You kind of love what you see from there. Tyrese Halliburton has been solid, definitely putting together yet another um, all-star worthy season. And so you love to see that. Um, but I don't know. I think what's holding them back, their starting five has not been great. Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, and Miles Turner have a minus 13.5 net rating, which is evened out with the bench because the Pacers bench have been the best of the league. But we'll see. They play the Celtics tonight. It's going to be a good, tough game. And then they have a five-game homestand that includes a visit from the Spurs and Wimanyama. Um, the Pacers, for the record, are third, like I said, in offensive rating um, and 16th in defensive rating. Uh, net rating there, sixth, so not bad. And Halliburton giving you the numbers, 20 points per game, five rebounds, 12 assists. Not super great in terms of shooting numbers, but definitely a guy who is getting things done for the Pacers. New Orleans Pelicans are next up for me, and the Pelicans are another team that's just a hard read to get on. Um, Brandon Ingram's missed the last couple of games. He will also miss uh, tonight's game against Oklahoma City Thunder. I was really hoping he'd play. That would be a nice challenge for him. And Jose Alvarado's still been out, so that's also been a thing that you have to take into consideration um, for the Pelicans. But Zion Williamson's been there, um, and he's in the paint. He's sticking to his strengths. He's taken 49 shot attempts, only one from the outside, which was a three um, that he did not make, <laughs> but he did take. Uh, so there is credit for that. But he is... Just getting in there and making things tough. And that's what you want to see, right? Um, Brandon, when he did play, has been efficient. But regardless of that, like the 
Pelicans have not been great. And a lot of that is because you are looking at, like I said, Ingram, who's been injured. Trey Murphy, who's been injured. You know, it's a lot of offense on Zion Williamson and CJ McCollum. To a lesser extent, Jonas Valanciunas as well, right? Uh, and you've gotten some really good minutes um, from your rookie. Um, because I really think that Jordan Hawkins has been solid for the Pelicans as well. But offensively, they are just not great. If you remove garbage time from the equation... They're dead last in offensive rating. For the record, they're 28th in offensive rating if you take it out. Um, defensively, they're not bad. They're ninth, And then net rating, they're 20th. So it's just not super great. Their top 10 defense is really what's carried them so far. But the lack of shooting that they have is the real issue. Because if you look at it, they don't really have a whole lot of shooting. I mean, like I said, Brandon Ingram's been out, basically. CJ McCollum shooting the ball at a decent clip, 30% from three. That's good. That's not enough space, though. Uh, you know, Herb, um, Herbert Jones, 40%, 44% from three. Wow, that's awesome. Three threes a night. That's, that's not doing enough. You know, Matt Ryan shooting 33% from three on seven. That's a little bit better, but not great. Jordan Hawkins shooting 40% from three, but not taking enough. He's only taking five. You need more space around these guys because your better scores like to live in the mid-range to the paint. CJ can shoot the three. Very good three-point shooter. He would like to be in the mid-range. Zion Williamson, literally, I just told you his shot distribution. Like, he wants to be in the paint, right? Jonas Valanciunas is a traditional center. He wants to be in the paint. Maybe out to the mid-range. That's it. You're not getting enough from Dyson Daniels. You're not getting enough from Larry Nance. You're not getting enough from Kira Lewis to make that uh, a feasible option for them. And that is the issue right now. But other than that, they've been solid. I definitely am intrigued to see where they go from here. Next up, Oklahoma City Thunder. Listen, this is the Thunder team I was telling you, kind of a problem. I said they were a little bit of a problem um, a couple years ago, and they have totally become a problem now. Shea Gilgis Alexander is most definitely in the MVP voting. He's averaging 26 points per game, 7.3 rebounds, and 6.3 assists per game. By the way, he's leading the league in drives while doing that at 23.5 a game, which is way ahead of second place, which, for the record, is De'Aaron Fox at 18. Um, the Thunder's defense, outside of just getting walloped by the Nuggets, has looked pretty solid. Um, for the record, they are 13th in offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating, 15th in net rating. They're the middle of the pack team, which is great for a team that is so young. Shea, SGA, putting up the numbers he is, is 25, y'all. And he's not to be outdone. Jalen Williams has been very good. 15 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. Shooting 47% from the field and 35% from 3. Lou Dort shooting 38% from 3 on just under 5 attempts a night. 12 points, 4 rebounds as well. Josh Giddy, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. 37% from 3, only taking 2, but still. Chet Holmgren. 15 points per game, 6 rebounds, 60% from the field, 62% from 3. Um, Also, uh, steal a game and just under 3 blocks per game. Like, there is a lot coming from this Oklahoma City team, and you just, you love to see it. It's things you love to see. I think they are going to be a problem every time they play. Like, right now, yes, the Pelicans are going to have a problem. And when they play the Warriors, I'm very intrigued to see what the Warriors look like as well, because or the Warriors look like against the Thunder, because this is just a young, scrappy team that has now added some experience and are just good. And I think that's an important um, addition to that sentence I gave you there. Next up, listen, the Lakers. I want to put them higher, but they haven't deserved it. Um, they came into the season, given this whole thing, you know, season opening loss to the Nuggets, about how they want to keep LeBron's minutes down to around 30 a night. That lasted one game. Uh, by game two, he played 35 in the entire fourth quarter against Phoenix for a narrow victory there. Over the weekend, he played 39 in an overtime loss to Sacramento. And now, guess what? He's at an average of 34 minutes per game. So, so long to that theory. And even worse, when he's not on the court, the Lakers are still 
with issues. And yes, a lot of that is to injuries because you have had injuries to Rui Hachimura, um, Gabe Vincent, uh, um, Jerry Vanderman hasn't played this season. So those are issues as well. But like, yikes, that's not great. That's not great. You were talking so much about, and myself, I was, we were, Laker fans, NBA fans at large, about how the Lakers have improved their team to make it so they weren't as reliant on LeBron. A minus 28.5, you are sure as heck reliant on LeBron. <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, so we'll see. I will say Anthony Davis was kind of inconsistent to start, but I think he's been playing way better. 25.8 points, 13.8 rebounds, 3.3 assists, a steal and a half a game, just under three blocks a game, single-handedly anchoring the back line of the Lakers' defense. D'Angelo Russell's picked up his scoring output, 17.5 points per game along with seven assists. Um, Christian Wood's been a, a nice bench piece, 8.5 rebounds, I mean, 8.5 points, seven rebounds a game, um, shooting the ball fairly decently, and I like the lineup with him and Anthony Davis on the court together. Um, he's committing himself to do the dirty work, and he seems to be backing up what he said about doing everything and anything to win. I slurred my words. That was on purpose. Anything and everything to win. Is that? Anything and everything. Yeah, I think I said that right. Anyways, like, so far, he's been great. Um, who's not been great? Austin Reeves. Listen, Austin, don't fall for the narrative, man. We were talking this all up about how big you were this season, how big a piece you were for the Lakers last year, which you were, and all the things in the offseason, and you might have been dating Taylor Swift, and then it was just a joke, and all this thing, and you have not been playing well. Like, Austin Reeves, yeah, on his head, 10 points, 3.8 rebounds, and 2.5 assists. Uh-huh. 33% from the field, 25% from three. You find yourself benched in the fourth quarter multiple times for your defensive um, inability, I guess, to kind of go around screens and, and defend uh, your position. And also, you're not shooting the ball well. you know. And so that's kind of been given over to, to Torian Prince for those closing minutes, which he's not a better switch defender, in my opinion, in terms of you know screen navigation, but he is shooting the ball better. 41% from the field, 40% from three. Comparable stats to Reeves, just better defense. And more consistent shot making. Like, that's not good. So, that's someone I'm a little bit worried about. Um, and LeBron I'm kind of worried about. Because, like, yeah, the LeBron's actually looking like 39. Like, 22 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. He can average that until he's, like, 45. I think it's just how those counting stats get accumulated. And it is a lot more in spurts. It is a lot more from spamming the LeBron AD pick and roll. Which, by the way, is great. But it's just not coming easy and some of that is because the lakers aren't making shots some of that's because lebron is looking father time square in the eye and father time's like yeah i'm here this is legit i'm here for real <laughs> at least that's my opinion so we don't know there but i just think the lakers definitely um need to kind of step up and just see how they look moving forward um and darvin ham really needs to find a rotation that works and he's been going big at the expense of the smaller players we'll just see how that looks they have a tough game against the clippers tonight um, and then they head out on the road for four games. And this is a team that, again, you do not want to lose ground. Like, you need to be in this. That is for sure. Um, and this Western Conference, you know, all it takes is an ill-timed injury to one of your two guys. And at some point, not, I'm knocking on everything, at some point, we know just whether it's rest or a slight nagging injury, one or two of LeBron and AD will have the rest. And when that happens, who's stepping up? That's my question. Next up, Phoenix Suns. We haven't seen Kevin Durant, Bradley Book, Bradley Booker. <laughs> we haven't seen Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal yet all together due to injury. Beal is yet to play due to back spasms all season, and Booker injured his toe in the team's very first game and has missed the last three. Um, but in between that, the Suns have not been horrible. They are 15th in offensive rating, 5th in defensive rating, and 8th overall in net rating. Um, and the like that's been solid. 
you know, that, that, that's been a good thing for them. Kevin Durant is doing Kevin Durant things. His shooting numbers may not be super great. Um, a lot of that is just more of the focus defensively on him and the fact that he's just not taking a lot of threes or really making them very well. But he's averaging 27 points per game, 7 rebounds, and 4.8 assists. You still can't stop that man on the island. You still can't stop him when he wants to get going. That's just a thing. But the depth issues that we thought um, about the Suns beyond their big three, yeah, those are real. Um, when the Lakers d- just loaded up on Durant last week with Booker and Beal out, the rest of the team shot one for nine in the fourth quarter. On Tuesday night when the Spurs came from behind to get the win, um, if you weren't Durant and you were shooting three of 15 from the field, like, that is not great. You know, like, all, it's like a little bit of double, it's double figures, balanced double figures in scoring from Grayson Allen, Josh Kogi, Yusef Nurkic, um, and Eric Gordon. But the efficiency is not super great, and they just need to be more consistent as well. And that's not a thing they've been, which is putting a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant. And, you know, I'm a little worried about Bradley Beal. It's back issues, back pain, back spasms. We haven't really heard all the details yet, but bottom line, he hasn't played. And Booker is getting himself back into shape in terms of, you know, playing shape, not like physical shape, but he's also out for game. So I, I just am curious about what this looks like for Phoenix, um, like I said, outside the big three. Because if it's going to be a thing where they all battle nagging injuries, and there's no reason to suggest that it isn't, you do have to wonder how they maintain themselves moving forward. That is something I am definitely interested in looking forward to um to see what happens um also let's not forget you know damian lee's been out since the first of october due to meniscus injury so like that's just a thing for the phoenix suns next up dallas mavericks luka Doncic. that's really all i gotta say for the dallas mavericks there's not really a whole lot more to add luka legend has just been on fire he's leading the league in scoring just under 40 points per game, 39 points, 11.7 rebounds, and 9.7 assists to be exact. Derek Lively's been bumped in the starting line because he's been great, good size in the paint, a great role man for Doncic. He's just been tremendous out there. Um, Kyrie Irving uh, still trying to find his shooting stroke because he's not been good. 60%, 16% from three. 39% from the field, but 19 points, four rebounds, six assists. He's like an offensive threat. And Grant Williams, you know, not a whole lot of shots, but he's been efficient. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 48% from the field, 45% from 3, taking 6.7 threes a game. Like, that's been solid. Um, and you've gotten contributions from Tim Hardaway Jr. You've gotten contributions from Josh Green. But really, it all goes back to Luka Doncic. Again, 39 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists per game. Shooting 55% from the field, 48% from 3, and 70% from the free at the line. The guy is doing it all. Like, is this the year that he is MVP? He had four straight clutch triples against the Nets to reach 49 points last week. Like, insanity. Just sheer insanity. All right, next up, it's your Sacramento Kings. Darren Fox was off to a red-hot start, um, uh, averaging 31 points per game and six assists, shooting 37% from three. And then, unfortunately, he went and got himself a moderate ankle sprain in a win, a gutsy win in which he played most of it against the Lakers. So he'll be out for a bit, um, at least a week or more. Davion, Davion Mitchell will get more run, which is good. Um, but what's not good is that when Fox has been off the court, the Kings have not been great. Um, they've been outscored by nine, 11 points per game per 100 possessions. 11 points per 100 possessions with Fox off the court. Now, they play the Warriors again tonight, and they played them last week with Fox, and they still lost because Steph Curry is just a madman. We'll talk about him more in a second. So, like, that was already issue that's gonna be a tough matchup regardless but still um then they have two games in houston that they're gonna play and that'll be interesting to see what uh that looks like but listen the kings they're a solid team offensively we know where they are they're ninth in offensive rating defensively so far they're not that bad 
I mean, they're still bottom half, but they're 19th in defensive rating, 11th in overall net rating. And aside from, obviously, Darren Fox playing as well as he did, um, you have to be pretty hopeful in the contributions of both DeMontis Bonus and Harrison Barnes, both averaging 17 points per game. Barnes not giving you a whole lot else aside from that, while Sabonis is giving you 15 rebounds and 5 assists. And then Keegan Murray, who's also stepped up his shooting numbers, um, at least the shooting splits don't necessarily reflect the effectiveness, but 16 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, and 2.3 assists are getting it done indeed. Next up, the Los Angeles Clippers. Listen, we've talked about them a little bit here already. Not a whole lot more to say outside of I'm curious to see what they look like once they get James Harden in the fold. But they've been playing their guys. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, so far, they played them all, right? And they've needed them. Uh, Paul George is playing amazing. 27 points, 4.5 rebounds, 4.8 assists, shooting 52% from the field, 46% from three, 95% from the line. If he's not player of the week next week, I will be shocked if he continues this level of production. Kawhi Leonard, 19.3 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Again, 44% from the field, 48% from three, 75% from the line. He's not doing bad either. And then Russell Westbrook, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. A little bit of everything. Shooting a three decently, 33%. It's not decent, but it's decent for Westbrook. Um, All in all, the Clippers currently are ranked fifth in offensive rating, number one in defensive rating, and number one in net rating. They've been solid. Um, Again, We'll just see what they look like with Harden because the Clippers didn't have a passer or playmaker as good as him. I mean, I, I would put Russ sort of in the same tier, but you know what I mean. I think Harden does a better job of leveraging his scoring with his passing um, than Westbrook does. Um, but now we'll kind of see what it looks like because they did, you know, lose guys that helped. Robert Covington was playing good minutes for them. Nick Batum always gave them good 15 to 20. Those guys are gone. So is Marcus Morris. And now you have a question about what to do with Russell Westbrook now that you have James Harden there because, yeah, James Harden plays point guard now, but Russ is a point guard and wasn't playing badly. But now do you put Russ to the bench? Like, that might be the smart play. But politically, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, will they try to run the two together until it is shown that it doesn't work and then make the change? I'd probably do that, but again, I'm not running it. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like, both immediate here term and also long term, because in the future, will the Clippers want to re-sign Harden, extend Leonard and George and run it back in a new building, or will it be new building, new them? That'll be something that remains to be seen, but I'm definitely curious to see what that looks like. All right, number three, we are moving right along. It is the Philadelphia 76ers, and they have been solid. And of course, they're the other end of that James Harden trade. They are fourth in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating, and third in net rating, and they have just been solid. Um, I love the fact that Nick Nurse has definitely diversified their offense. Um, instead of a lot of pick-and-roll action, they're doing dribble handoffs, constant offensive movement, a lot of guys getting the ball and being able to share it. Um, Joel Embiid passing that ball out like a waiter, um, just making things happen. Um, he's averaging 31 points per game, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists a night. But Tyrese Maxey is the guy. He won player of the week for a reason. 30.3 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 6.3 assists. He is shooting an amazing 50% from the field, a blazing 56% from three. He's making 91% of his free throws. Like, the dude cannot be stopped. And that dribble handoff game between him and Embiid has been a monstrous action. Just straight up great. Um, Tobias Harris has been efficient, shooting 66% from the field and 54% from three, averaging 19 points and four rebounds per game. Kelly Oubre's been solid, 19 points, four rebounds, um... Just another guy who's able to score well. And I think with this trade, the 76ers, like I mentioned in my last show, are going to double down on, hey, 
Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid are our duo. Those are the straws that stir this drink, and we're just going to put a lot of veteran talent, a lot of guys who can space the floor, shoot the three, defend their position, and just ride that out to the trade deadline and see what that looks like. And I don't think it's going to be a bad thing, to be honest with you. I think it's a formula that it allows them to kind of play both ways because everyone they just got, whether it's Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, or um, Robert Covington, like all those guys are going to be off the books next season. So they still have something to give right now. Then you'll have that financial flexibility if you want to go big game hunting, you know, in free agency, which I'm not sure what that market looks like. Um, not super great from when I last saw it. But the point being, you have flexibility there. And then you can extend, of course, Maxi and kind of run from there. Um, but right now, like that team still, I think this trade solidifies Philadelphia as the third best team in the East. They're still, you know, fourth, I mean, third overall um, because like the Bucks and Celtics are the Bucks and Celtics. But like, they're still a, a really solid team. Also, I said the 76ers were third in this power rankings. That's because I can't count. They're fourth. The third team is the Golden State Warriors because Stephen Curry, 35 years old, and here we are watching him drop 41 on New Orleans on the second night of the back-to-back. And Chris Paul, even scarier, excuse me, is helping that Warriors second unit. The Warriors have the exact same offensive rating whether Curry is on the quarter off. That is, like, unknown for the Warriors in their entire dynastic era. They're winning the non-Curry minutes. And that's a lot because of Chris Paul. And when Steph Curry's on the floor, bam. And this is without, by the way, this is with Chris Paul barely being able to make a three. Like, Chris Paul is shooting 0.6% from three. He is literally, and I, and I, I kid you not, this is not a typo. Chris Paul is one of 16 from three. And we know that he is not that level of shooter. Like, he's going to be better. So, like, this was not being able to knock down a three-point shot. Once he becomes even better as a scorer himself, as he breaks himself into whatever rhythm he has to find, they're going to be even scarier. But Steph Curry, man, listen, he's in the MVP conversation for me. I'll have to put, like, a little mini MVP ladder out here in the next show. But 33 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 4 assists per game, shooting 55% from the field, 47% from three, on 12 threes a night. The guy is on one, like no other. Word to your mother. Uh, anyways, for the Warriors, they are 10th in offensive rating, they are 6th in defensive rating, and they are 4th in net rating. They're just getting it done. Their bench is better, their defense is solid, Steph Curry is a madman, and this is what it looks like for the Golden State Warriors. They're 3-1, and one, and they are a team to be reckoned with. Absolutely. They were a scary team to have to face, and I maybe was a little lower on them than I should have been. I will say that. All right, second on the round ball ramble. Power rankings, we have gone through a chunk here. Is the Milwaukee Bucks, they're 2-1. and one. They currently are 11th in offensive rating, 27th in defensive rating, 18th in net rating. Um, listen, Milwaukee's been, oh man, I still can't count, can I? Because I'm looking at the list I've made, and I'm like, I'm still missing the two teams I talked about. Okay, listen, the Milwaukee Bucks are third. Jeez. Um, I... Don't know if they should be third per se, other than the fact that I think that they are just scary with Dame and Giannis. Um, they're 17th in the league in that rating. That's not great. They had an ugly loss to Atlanta for no reason at all. Um, but they did beat some good teams, and they're still figuring it out. And I think that's why I have them where I do. They beat Miami. They beat Philadelphia. Um, they haven't even really spammed out the Giannis, Dame, Lilla pick and roll, which would seem to be their go-to play. Um, but yet... They're really not leaning onto it. Like, Brooke Lopez has set more screens for Lillard so far. So, I think as Chris Middleton rounds into form, as their defense improves, and as the Bucks start to go to their main action, or what should be their main action, like, they will be harder to defend. And they're already a pretty stout defense. Giannis has been a monster, as usual, 27 points per game, 10 rebounds, just 2 assists per game, 54% from the field, 
don't even ask about his shooting numbers from three. Um, Dame Lillard is also not really rounded to form. 23, five and four looks okay, but he's shooting 39% from the field and 29 from three on nine attempts from three. Like that's not great. So you would have to think that they'll pick it up a little bit. And when they do, they will be right back to that scary team that they have been. Um, albeit scarier with the addition, of course, of Damian Lillard. So we'll have to see what that looks like. But I have them a little generous, I'm sure, but I have them third. Now we get to second. Now we get to second, and that leads us to the Boston Celtics. Not a whole lot to say about Boston. Like, everyone talked, you know, um, about all the moves they made, and there was questions. I had questions as well about how Kristaps Porzingis would mesh with them and, and, and whether, you know, you know, making the change for who Drew Holiday was one that, I mean, it worked. Obviously, it was going to work, but I just didn't think it was one that, I don't know, they need to make, whatever the case may be. No, they look solid. They look solid. The Celtics currently are 6th in offensive rating, 11th in defensive rating, and 5th in net rating. They're just doing it all. Um, Jason Tatum averaging 29 points per game, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. Jalen Brown is not far behind, 24 points per game and 6 rebounds, just under 3 assists per game. Both their shooting numbers are solid, 55% from the field and 37% from 3 for Tatum. 49% 49% from the field and 45% from three for Brown. Um, Drew Holiday shooting numbers haven't been super great, but he's still doing the things. 12 points, six rebounds, four assists, two blocks, just under a steal a game. And Chris Porzingis, he's been meshing well on both ends. 20 points, seven rebounds, shooting 58% from the field, 47% from three. Um, Boston's defense isn't top 10 this early, but their starting five has just been great. And Chris Porzingis has just fit in like a glove. So there's not a whole lot to add about them. We knew they would be the cream of rising at the top of the Eastern Conference and the NBA at large, and that's exactly what they have been. But the number one team, the the, the, the big, big boss, the big ball of shot caller, the creme de la creme of the NBA is, of course, the Denver Nuggets, 4-0, eighth in offensive rating, third in defensive rating, second in net rating. Like, the Nuggets took everything they saw about the Suns and the Celtics and the Bucks and the Lakers, and they said, we still the Nuggets. We still good. Their defense... Their, their defense has been solid. Their starting five has been elite, of course, but the bench has been better than I thought they would. Like, it's been better than I thought they would be. Their numbers have been better than they were last season. Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson have been solid. Um, And guess what? Friday night's going to be a fun matchup for the Nuggets because that is going to be the game where Nicole Jokic and Luka Doncic face off. And I'm so excited to see what that looks like because... If nothing else, it's going to be entertaining. But no, there's not a whole lot to say about the Nuggets. They have been just great all over. Like, Nikola Jokic just averaging triple-doubles like in his sleep. 26 points per game, 12.3 rebounds, 8.5 assists, 64% from the field, 42% from three, a surprisingly low 66% from the free throw line. Jamal Murray has worked himself back into form. 20 points and 8 assists, 49% from the field, making half his threes a game. You have double-digit scoring from Aaron Gordon, KCP, and Michael Porter Jr., and good contributions, like I said, from Christian Brown, Reggie Jackson, Peyton Wallace. Like, they have gotten enough from their guys that they have just scorched earth with every team they've played. So, I'm looking forward to see what they do next week. But, yeah, they're the team to beat, um, and we knew this going in, but maybe we were a little bit too disrespectful, and they're kindly reminding us, nah, fam, pay attention. All right, real quick, we're going to run through some injury news. Um some major injury news rather um for the bulls zach levine is probable for tonight's game against the mavericks um with his back 
Um, for the Cavs, obviously, we mentioned Darius Garland. He'll be out for Wednesday's game against the Knicks. So will Jared Allen. Um, Ricky Rubio remains away from the Cavs to focus on his mental health. So that is the thing as well. Um, Kyrie Irving, with his foot injury, has been downgraded to doubtful for tonight's game against the Bulls. So that is the thing to look at. Meanwhile, Jalen Duran has been ruled out for Wednesday's game against Portland due to his ankle. Um, so something to keep in mind there while Monte Morris and Bojan Bogdanovic for Detroit will be reevaluated in three to four weeks, respectively. John, the is questionable for tonight's game against the Kings. Uh, Dario Saric is probable and Clay Thompson is officially probable to play as well. Um, as far as the Pacers go, um, big loss in a late scratch, but Tyrese Halliburton has been ruled out. Literally, as I've been recording, I was looking forward to it and he will not be playing against the Celtics due to an ankle injury. For the Clippers in the Battle of L.A., Terrence Mann is out for tonight's game. Um, James Harden, who was recently traded, has also been officially ruled out. Um, and Brandon Boston has been ruled out due to a quadriceps injury. Does not have a clear timetable for return. For the Lakers' end of it, Ruyachi Murrah is out due to an eye injury. Gabe Vincent is doubtful due to left knee soreness. Um, Cam Reddish is probable due to a foot injury. Jared Vanderbilt was re-examined by team doctors and will be reevaluated in two weeks. And Jalen Hunchfino will be inactive. So, that is the Lakers. For the Grizzlies, the hits just keep on coming. Derrick Rose, left ankle soreness, will, left knee soreness rather, will not play in Wednesday's game against the Jazz. While Santel Dama is also out with an ankle injury. Um, and Brandon Clark and Steven Adams, as y'all know, are out for the year. Um, Kevin Love against the Nets will not play due to a shoulder injury. Um, and Caleb Martin is also out. For the Timberwolves, Shake Milton is probable with left foot soreness. McDaniels is probable due to that left calf strain. Um, and Jalen Clark is going to miss at least the first half of the season with an Achilles injury. Uh, we already mentioned Brandon Ingram being out for tonight's game against the Thunder with that knee injury. Najee Marshall and Jose Alvarado will be reevaluated in two weeks with Marshall's knee injury and Alvarado's ankle injury. Um, and, of course, Trey Murphy is still out with that knee injury. All right. Um, R.J. Barrett is out uh, in today's game against the Cavs due to left knee soreness, or he's questionable, rather. Um... Nick Batum for the Philadelphia 76ers will not play in tomorrow's game against the Raptors for personal reasons. Um, also kind of waiting out the trade. Bradley Beal remains without an official timetable. Um, same with Devin Booker. And we already know Damian Lee will be out for a while. For the Blazers, we already know Simons will be out for four to six weeks. And Ish Rainwright has been ruled out for Wednesday's game as well. For the Kings... Trey Lyles is out, and De'Aaron Fox is out. Trey Lyles with a calf injury. We already mentioned De'Aaron Fox's ankle injury. For the Raptors, Precious Achua is out with a groin injury. Yikes. Get better on that. I've definitely pulled my groin, and it's not fun. And Christian Coloco is out due to illness. And last but not least, for the Wizards, Daniel Gafford is out for tonight's game against the Hawks due to an ankle injury. All right. Games of the night. Already talked through most of them as I was going through the power rankings, but... Here, the Bucks will be playing the Raptors. The Trailblazers will be playing the Pistons. That'll be a five. So, literally, as y'all listening to this. Um, the Pacers and the Celtics will clash tonight. The Wizards and the Hawks will do the same. Um, then you have Nets and Heat. And then, of course, the Cavs will rematch against the Knicks. The Pelicans and Thunder will do battle. The Hornets and Rockets will clash. The Nuggets and Timberwolves will play. That'll be interesting. Same with the Bulls and the Mavericks. And then the last three games of the night, the Grizzlies and Jazz, the Battle of LA, the Clippers and the Warriors, and the Lakers, excuse me, and then the Warriors will then play the Kings. So 
a 13 game slate for y'all. I will definitely be watching um, the Nets versus Heat. Definitely want to see how Brooklyn's offense continues to look. Pelicans versus Thunder, although I'll be keeping half an eye on that with Brandon Ingram not being able to play. Hornets versus Rockets, covering the Hornets this year. Kind of a team I really want to look at more. The Bulls versus the Mavericks will be a fun one to check out as well. In addition to the Nuggets versus Timberwolves. And then, of course, Battle of LA, Clippers and Lakers. And then Kings versus Warriors close to the night. So I'll be checking out at least seven of the 13 games tonight. Um, and then, as far as the team of the week, which team will I be following this week specifically for a report next week on the Ramble Ramble podcast. Let's spin the wheel and find out. All right, so here we are. We're about to spin the wheel, and let's see what we get. The wheel is being spun, and it lands on the New York Knicks. So this week from today, the first of the month to the eighth, when I will have a report, we will be discussing a little more in depth the New York Knicks. That will be an interesting team to watch for sure. So I will definitely be making sure to have a little fun deep dive on them when we come back here next week for our team of the week. I'll have more shows in between that, but that will do it here for this episode of Round Ball Ramble. A long one, man. Jeez, I haven't talked to for an hour and change in a minute. Check me out on Twitter, y'all, if you would, at CorbinNBA. Same on Instagram, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. I would greatly appreciate that. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Make sure to rock with me tomorrow. We'll be right back here with all your basketball action as usual. Talking about the latest and greatest in the NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, all the things. We love basketball here. And I love y'all for listening. So thank y'all again. And... Until next time, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. Hi, y'all.